0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hardly Awesome Podcast. This is not Out of the Shadows Podcast. If that's what you're looking for, you've come to the wrong place. Uh, I think that's how I signed off the last episode with Chris and uh, not Chris, Anthony and I. I think I called it Out of the Shadows Podcast, so if I did, I apologize for that if I confused anybody, but no, this is definitely the Hardly Awesome Podcast. I'm one of your awesome co-hosts, Jim, rolling solo today. Uh, for those who don't know, I believe we mentioned it last episode, uh, we're doing individual episodes. One from Chris, one from Anthony, and one from yours truly. And this is something we had been kicking around for a little while. We wanted to see you know, what we would each bring to the table, how we would each do it. I'm editing my own episode here, so if the editing on this is off in places, don't crucify me. Let me know. Tell me things I can do better. I'm always looking for constant feedback, but... Yeah, dude, I'm running solo on this this week. So this is going to be a little bit different than your typical episode, obviously, because it's just one person. It's probably going to be a little bit shorter because I'll tell you, I know I wouldn't want to sit there and listen to myself talk for 30 minutes. So I'm sure you don't want to sit there and listen to me talk for even 20 minutes, but we'll see. We'll get through it. I'm going to try and keep the uh, same style of episode that we typically do for the regular show, uh, the same format, somewhat uh, a little bit adapted for this kind of uh, uh, endeavor. So sit back, come along and join me as Jim goes to the movies. (music) with this episode is I needed to because Anthony's got his in his words solo dolo episodes Uh, I don't think Chris has done anything by himself yet I don't think I think he was going to but then I don't know what happened Uh, but I needed to come up with some sort of idea that I think I'm going to use for when I got to do my own solo shows when Chris and Anthony both aren't here and I got to run things so I think this is what I'm going to continue to do is this theme of Jim goes to the movies. So this is about film and movies and what's going on today and maybe in the past, right? So let me give you a little bit of background with my history of movies. Uh, when I was growing up as a kid, I loved the movies. What kid doesn't, right? I went to. I ended up growing up and going to school uh, and getting my degree in archaeology. I think I've mentioned that before on the history episode. And there's a movie that I watched as a kid. There's a, there was a franchise. Uh, they all had come out before I was even born, but there was a franchise of movies that really impacted me as a child, and it was, uh, when I was living out west, it was what I said, this is the reason I am where I am today in my life, and that movie, the overall movie, is Raiders of the Lost Ark, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, and it's the reason I went to school for archaeology, because I loved it, I loved that sense of adventure, I loved being in for lack of a better term, exotic places that I'm not used to being and looking at the past, digging up artifacts. And obviously, I mean, now, you know, when I was older, I realized, well, being an archaeologist isn't going to be exactly like Indiana Jones. You're not going to have people shooting at you. You're not going to be running away from Nazis. You know what I mean? But that sort of uh, um, uh, train of thought of adventure, me going to different places that I've never been to, uh, uncovering the past. It really excited me, and I really, really was interested in it. So that's what I went to school for. But then after I graduated, I went to California, uh, Hollywood, uh, tried my hand, trying to get into the film industry, and that's what I, you know, credited with. That's why I'm here. Again, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love the movies. This is the movie that really sucked me into this entire industry. Everything about it: the music, John Williams, the acting, the sets. Uh, you know, Steven Spielberg and his storytelling. So Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? That's what got me started. I grew up, uh, you know, as a kid, I had always wanted to take my mother's camera and make videos and make movies, but she would never let me do it. So I never did it. Till I got to high school, I met some friends who, that's what they were doing, were making little short films. Kind of got in good with that group. We did some projects. Uh, a group of us ended up moving out to Los Angeles, and we all kind of, you know, started doing our own thing, trying to, you know, break into the industry. I um, didn't put in the effort that I should have. Quickly realized that I had moved out there for acting. Uh, dumb idea. If Anybody, if you really know me, that is a terrible idea for me to even try and do with all my, my, my self-conscious anxiety. But I realized I hated getting in a room and being judged by people who I didn't know. I hated it. I did not like it. It was not fun. It was not entertaining. It was not something that I wanted to prolong, that I wanted to do for a prolonged amount of time for the rest of my life. Didn't like it. So I said, okay, I'm getting away from that. The people I was working with also at the time were kind of, um, their ideology, I don't want to say ideologies, but their mindsets were changing. As people do, they get older, they change, things happen, right? So whatever. I didn't, didn't quite Agree with uh, you know the mindset, so I stepped back and said, okay, I'm gonna get away from this. I want to write, and I can do that from anywhere, anywhere in the world. So where did I pick to go? I moved back home, like any normal sane person would do, right? Everything I know is back here, family, friends, uh, my entire life, everything I know. So I moved back here, and I said, that's what I want to do. But regardless, that's basically my foray into film that's where I started that's where I ended up and even still to this day I mean you know some of you guys know some of the listeners here know that I do the out of the shadows podcast right so that's fun I love digging through the 80s movies so I mean as you can see film is still a big 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 part of my life never really left always gonna be part of my life if I can help it right whether I'm just consuming it or I am a part of it making it I love you know, coming back and moving back and, and working with he kind of sucked me back into the production work of it, and I realized after I had been out of it for as long as I had been, because let's face it, you know, uh, I'm from Buffalo, it's a lot easier to get a production going, started and finished here than it is in Los Angeles. So we had a lot more luck with whatever the level of production we were doing here in Buffalo, it getting completed, actually even just getting off the ground to begin with. But then, you know, having a finished product, it was a lot easier to get that done here than it was out there. So I felt here in Buffalo, compared to Los Angeles, we got a lot more work done. There was a lot more things that we were able to get accomplished here, right? So when I moved back here, I was trying to get away from all the production work. But that motherfucker Chris, and I know he probably heard this, heard this, is listening to this. Pulled me right back into the production work, right? Uh, Going around filming different band sets, at shows, doing all kinds of things like that. Uh, But I love that. That is so much fun, and it's... As much as I love working on a film set, and there's all kinds of people, again, it's easier to get something done when it's a smaller group of people, because you don't have as many hands in the pot trying to either pull it this direction, that direction, another direction. You don't have to depend on as many people. You don't have to worry about, especially us back when we were making them, what, 10, 10, 11, 12 years ago in the Buffalo area. We're all young. We're just out of high school. Some of us may be in college working part-time jobs. So it's hard to get everybody's schedules to line up as well, right? So you had to kind of, you know, the essential people that you needed there, figure out what their schedules are, plan the date, and then fill in everybody else around it. So it's just easier when it's just two people or three or four people like Chris and I are usually doing right now trying to get a a project or a production going and off the ground and working and I kind of forgot where I was going with this but anyway regardless that's where I'm at now Chris has sucked me right back into production work and I like it it's 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 a little bit more intimate than it was back then because again, you got a smaller crew, you get less people. It's it's something that I can focus on what's in front of me more back instead of back then we were kind of more, hey, let's do this project, but at the same time we're going to have a lot of fun and we're going to goof the fuck around, which has its benefits but it has its drawbacks severely. I can I can confirm that. So when when Chris and I are there and we're doing these projects, yeah, man, we're having a lot of fun, we're being very serious, but we're also we're also getting shit done and it's not as intensive to have to do it and you don't have as many moving pieces so for him to pull me back into the production work in that sort of angle I appreciate and I like way more I think than what I was doing back then so this is it's kind of come full circle back to me doing this kind of work but I like it I like with a point where it's at right now and the things we're doing I mean we could do more but you can always do more right right so yeah, so that's my that's my background and my foray into film. Like I said, I still consume as a consumer all kinds of film. I love doesn't matter the genre. I love it as long as it's a good story. I can I can get through a movie with bad writing, bad acting. Doesn't matter because I mean those are yes, they're very very important parts. But as long as there's other parts that make up for it within the movie, whether okay. So for example, say say the acting's bad. Maybe the the actors aren't. And whether it's the actor's fault, the director's fault, whatever, it doesn't matter. But maybe the acting is lacking in a movie. As long as the writing is strong, as long as the set design is strong, score too, because a lot of times score becomes its own character within a film, within a story. As long as there's other aspects in the film that kind of help make up for that that one part that's lacking, I can do it. I can do it. So I, I really do pay attention to a lot of independent film. I love I love discovering independent film that I hadn't, you know, been exposed to, or hadn't even known existed, or was even out there, and discovering that, and going through, and critiquing, and not just, not just watching it, but, you know, breaking it down, examining it, um, really digesting it, I love, you know, obviously, Hollywood blockbusters to a degree, to a degree, I, um, I'm kind of really getting over, I got, what's it called, the, um, uh, uh, like the Marvel movies, I'm getting, getting stale on superhero movies, as I'm sure a lot of people are, I went on a limb with the Marvel movies when they were first coming out, kind of getting into them because I was, yeah, I loved Spider-Man, Batman, I liked comics as a kid growing up. I mean, I never really read comics as a kid, but I was still kind of into that sort of thing, right? But they're old now. They're they're I feel like it's just a lot of the same recycled crap. And not and, and I get it. A lot of the origin stories for characters in comic books are recycled like that. Okay. I get it. I know you guys uh, You guys probably don't hear me say this here, but on the other show, Out of the Shadows, I used to say it a lot. Give me the same thing, but different, right? Okay, but that only goes for so long. You can't just keep giving me the same recycled crap 25 times and expect me to keep coming back and buying a movie ticket. So I'm kind of getting over to superhero movies. I'm tired of the regurgitation of reboots and sequels and, and things like that, to, again, to a degree... The Evil Dead Rise movie was fucking great. There was so much gold in that movie, so that one that one gets Jim's stamp of approval, okay? But then there's these other movies, Fast and the Furious 10. Did we really need a Fast 10? I don't think so. Did we really need 9 of those? And let me give you some background. I've seen the first Fast and Furious. I saw what was it, 7? Uh, when Paul Walker passed away because I kind of wanted to see how they were going to do that the tribute they were going to give him the send off right but other than that I really haven't seen the movies because I didn't care I didn't care and I know there's a lot of people who do care and you know that's their jam good good for you I'm glad you see something in that but personally again this is going to be a lot of my opinion around movies so don't take this you know again this is the hardly awesome podcast I'm no expert but this is my thoughts I didn't need that. I did not need 10 Fast and Furious movies. It's way over the top, especially with how ridiculous they got. They got so far away from what the original movie was. The original movie was Street Racing. Awesome, dude, because back then when I saw that movie, I was really into the Need for Speed games. So this was like, oh my God, this is fucking great. Need for Speed in film. Awesome. And then look, they just got so out of hand, man so much so that they went to space in this latest movie and how often do you take a franchise and so deep into the series you go to space and it's just it just doesn't work i don't like it it doesn't work we have jason x no we did not need that what was the other one? Oh, amityville in space i haven't even watched that movie because i have no interest in it are you kidding me are you kidding me? Amityville in space? Um but yes. I I do like a little of everything. I, again, it's got to be good though. It's got to be good. I hate sitting through a movie that I don't like. I get when I watch a movie, I get sucked in. So, when I'm sitting in a movie theater and I love I love there's nothing better than going to the movie theater and sitting in the theater and you're the only one there for the entire movie. I love it. Because not only can I react to the movie a little bit more vocally as, you know, I kind of want to, because I try to respect, you know, when there's other people around, right? So when I'm the only one there, I can react a little bit more and get into it better, right? But when I watch a movie, it's like when I read, I get sucked in. I'm there. You sold me. I'm there. Suck me in. So much so that there's times when I'm in the theater, something distracts me, whether it's one of, you know, the workers coming in to check the theater, make sure every, you know, nobody's recording, nobody's getting it on in the front row, whatever. But it distracts me and it pulls me out of the film. And I can easily get right back into it. But I do find myself getting pulled out of it, not even realizing that I had been sucked in. So that's when I know I'm watching a good movie. But if I'm watching a bad movie and I'm not sucked in, I get very distracted very easily. And I'm like, ugh, I don't know, why, why, why am I even watching this? Why am I even trying to finish this? But... Regardless, um, I have an affinity for film, always have, always will. One of the best jobs I ever had was working at a movie theater, just being there in that environment. We had, oh God, I think we had like 18 screens. We were three stories. It was great. We had four concession stands. Greatest job I ever had. I love it. People think, oh man, you got to go clean up the theaters. People throw popcorn, you know, oh God having to clean up after a kid's movie, right? Holy shit, dude. Those are the worst theaters, Disney movies or whatever, because it's just so trashed. And I get it. Kids don't know better, but I didn't care. I just loved being there in that environment. I loved being there and smelling the popcorn all day, being around all the movie posters, you know, being able to take them when we were done with them. I loved the environment. So movies have always, film has always been such a big part of my life and it's always going to continue. Again, if I have any say in it, it's always going to be a huge part of my life, but that's what this is going to be. This is going to be about me talking about film, not just movies, but about the film industry in general, and kind of going through things, giving my opinion on things. You know, once I get through something at the end of an episode, if you want to, you know, give me feedback, tell me your opinion on something I said or a movie I touched on or you know my review of something, I want to hear it. I want to hear. I love when I watch a movie like uh, what was uh, the one Chris and I just did recently, uh, Skinamarink, right? I did not like that movie. I did not like it. I don't know if there's something I missed. I don't know if I didn't understand it. I did not like the movie, but there's a lot of people who did like that movie, and that's great. I love that somebody found something in this movie that I didn't. And let me know if I say something about a movie that you don't necessarily agree on, or if I'm even wrong. Like maybe something completely went over my head. Let me know because I had a friend, the friend I, I watched Skidamarink with. Uh, his name is Jimmy. We both sat there and we watched this movie. Neither one of us liked it. He, on his own, I didn't even know he did this, went back and revisited the movie, and he came back to me and said, you know, you know, this, point A, point B, point C, and pointed some things out to me that, yes, maybe I haven't rewatched the movie since, but kind of, you know, I remember enough of it that he's able to, you know, put some different ideas or different things in my head to kind of make me think about the movie a little bit differently. Uh, that may help to help redeem it in my mind. So let me know. That's what this is supposed to be, an interaction. I'm not just going to sit here and critique shit or give my opinion and not expect any feedback. I want the feedback. Interact with me on social media. Let me know. Chris gives you guys the email address all the time. Email me, let me know. But anyway, we're going to the movies. So, first segment like we typically do on our episodes is what? What's going on in the world? So why don't we take a deep dive? Well, maybe not a deep dive, but... Let's take a dive into some news that's going on in the uh, the film industry. I'm going to touch on one story here in particular because this is a major one going on right now. Um, this is going to be the only story I touch on right now because it's kind of a major one and I want to leave this as the news that you're kind of digesting to get you thinking and kind of, you know, peel back a little bit of a layer of what the movies are, right? Because you go to a movie, you see it, you see the actors on screen, you hear the music, you see the credits, you walk home, that's it, right? You don't actually sometimes sit and peel back the layers to see, oh, you know, this was the set design. Oh, this is what they had to go through to get this production finished, right? Well, anyway, I'm sure some people are aware, but there is currently a writer's strike going on. Uh, Some people who may be waiting for their favorite TV shows to come back uh, may be waiting a little bit longer due to this because this is going to be affecting a lot of productions, writers on strike. So I guess this started around May 2nd, about three weeks and six days into it. I said about uh, primarily going on in New York City, Los Angeles, and then you know Burbank and Culver City because that's where a lot of the major studios are, whether it be television or film. But there's a, uh, you know, a lack of agreement on a new contract between the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, and the AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, who represents a lot of the major, major, major film studios and uh, television production studios, right? So this, uh, you know, the Writers' Union, WGA, represents about 11,500 writers, and they come to the table to help renew the contract every year, right? You know how unions do. They help throughout, you know, the duration of a contract if there's issues between, you know, employees and, and employers. So right now the Writers Guild's working to help renew a contract with these, these major studios, right? But there's a lot of questions and things that need to be answered and taken care of, especially it's 2023. It's 2023. There's a lot of different game changers going on in the industry right now. Okay, so issues in the strike, the main focus of the labor dispute, and I'm pulling a lot of this information from Wikipedia, okay? So one of the main focuses uh, of the labor dispute is the residuals from streaming media. So let's talk about that for a moment. A few years ago, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney because, and Marvel, maybe it wasn't, I think she sued Disney and Marvel because they released the Black Widow movie, the standalone movie to streaming. But that wasn't part of the contract. Part of the contract was, well, it's going to be released in theaters where, you know, she's going to get her residuals from, you know, well, we made this much money at the box office. She supposedly is supposed to get a percentage of that, if I understand, you know, the whole situation, right? But now that they went to streaming, you're not going to be pulling in as much money. So she's like, hold up. How's that fair to me? How's that fair to me that I, I signed this contract? This is the way it was supposed to be. Then you guys decide to do something completely different. And now I'm getting boned, Right. So that's kind of where this is going to because a lot of streaming is gonna be the future. I, I as much as I love movie theaters, we're gonna we're gonna see a, a huge decline probably in movie theaters within the next ten years. I, I foresee. Just because people are, especially after the pandemic, and, and just the way technology is going, people are way less interactive. People don't want to leave their homes. If I can, and and I'm guilty of this too, because there's been some movies out recently where I'm like, you know what? I'll wait till it's streaming. I'll just see it there, right? Saves me a little bit of money because when I go to the movies, I got to spend what? Uh, $15, $20 on a movie ticket. Then I got to spend another $15, 16 $17 for my popcorn and my pop. I'm spending over $30, $35 to go see a movie at the theater, right? So if I get it on streaming, $20 to stream it at home. I can relax in my goddamn underwear on my couch, not have to go anywhere, not have to deal with people. Yes, I'm not getting the environment of the movie theater, which hurts me personally because I love it. I'm missing out on that. But I'm saving money. I'm more comfortable. And I don't got to go anywhere and do anything. And in you know, in major cities, I can see where that's a, a big draw for people, like New York City, Los Angeles, where you don't have to go out because... Hard to move around. You got to take public transportation in big cities like that. It's just a hassle, right? So, if you can just stay in your house and stream the damn thing, why not? But the actors and the writers and the sometimes the directors and the producers and you know, all the other crew members right down the line are getting boned out of residuals for this, especially television, where ABC makes Lost, for example. Let's take that, right? So, those actors, every time there's a rerun that's played, those actors are supposed to get a paycheck for residuals after the fact, you know, I, you know, as the years goes on, the amount that they get goes down, but they do get residuals for that. Okay. So now on streaming, when it's just constantly there, how does that all work? So that's one of the things the writers are really trying to come to terms with and get these studios to jump on board with is an equality and a fairness to that. So that's just one of the major, major, and I think that's probably the biggest one. Um, one of the biggest, there's a couple here. And now here's something, right? One of Chris and Anthony's favorite topics, AI, artificial intelligence, such as chat GPT are being used only as a tool that can help to research and facilitate script ideas and not as a tool to replace writers. The writers, and I, this is exactly what my problem with this is, is art and writers being replaced by chat GPT because we've seen how... Yes, maybe there's some small kinks that still need to be worked out It needs to be ironed out better, but there's a lot of potential to end up disrupting a lot of different industries, especially creative industries here. So the writers are saying, well, we're not saying don't use it. We just want you to use it in a way that's not going to replace us. So use it as a tool to research for roles, which is, hey, I write. Research is a motherfucker, dude. I do enjoy doing research more than I do the editing process because I hate editing but the research portion, depending on what you're doing, can take a very long time, and it's very intensive. And you know, if, you, if it's a topic or something that you're not too familiar with, trying to find the information, you might not know where to go right away. So it's going to take you a little while to do your research. So if you have a tool like ChatGPT that can pull all this information in an instant and give you the research that you need, awesome. I'm all for it. Great. Writers are also saying, use it as a tool to help, uh, to help with script ideas. Okay, I'm for that a little bit. It still scares me because I do I do like the originality of an idea made up and somebody said that's brought to life, right? And I know Chris and Anthony will argue me this for days, but use it as an i as an idea tool. The problem is is when you're using Chat GPT to write the whole episode. What did uh, South Park? Chris and I talked about this. South Park did an episode where uh, one of the creators wrote an episode with ChatGPT. Okay, that's kind of fine. They did it for one episode, whatever. But if I'm an industry professional running a, a major studio, one of the things that's always on my mind, always at the forefront of my mind, is conserving money. If I can save on not having to pay writers, not having to pay workers, not having to pay benefits, residuals, all this stuff, make it easy i'm just going to use a computer program to write it that works for me yeah okay maybe it works for you but you're displacing the industry you're destroying the industry you know uh so that's 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 another one of their 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 arguments that they're trying to really and and i think that's another very important one those are two very important ones streaming media and ai usage in the writing world need to be addressed because we're starting to go into uncharted territory right now, here's one of the other things I wanted to talk about. The, the latest minimum basic agreement, an MBA, became a collective bargaining agreement that covers most of the work done by Writers Guild of America Writers. Uh, so an MBA is basically an agreement that establishes a minimum wage for television and film writers. So the other part to this is they're advocating for better pay, but they're also advocating for minimum number of writers on a project. From what I understand, part of the problem is you come in, you have a writer's room with X writers uh, you get a lot of things done and completed, and then a lot of writers are cut great, but again, you're displacing an entire group of workers whose importance to your your body of work that you're making is still important after the fact, after you let them go. They were there from the original beginning and conception of this series, this movie, whatever. Why are you going to cut them in the middle of it and lose so much valuable input and insight and direction. I don't agree with that. So, the, the, these are the major things that they're advocating for. There's obviously some other things, but again, this is a major, major thing that's going on. There was another strike, I believe it was back in like 2007, 2008, with the Writers Guild uh, in the studios, and that was resolved. I can't remember how long that lasted, but You know, as a consumer of media, know that this is going on. Know that this is something that's going to affect a lot of your favorite shows and potentially movies that are going to be coming out and might get delayed because of this. And there's a lot of people standing behind these writers as they should be. A lot of the late night show hosts stopped hosting because of all this going on because their writers are out there in the picket line. There's a lot of actors supporting these people on the picket line, producers, directors, large, you know, huge industry professionals are joining the picket lines with these individual writers to help them get what they deserve. But that's, that's what's going on in the world right now. Writer's strike again, that's going on in, um, basically New York city, Los Angeles are the two major hotspots for it because that's where a lot of the industry is. um, And then, you know, Burbank, Culver City, probably Studio City as well. You know, all over Los Angeles, I'm sure you'll see the Pickers, wherever, you know, the... um, I wouldn't even be surprised if you saw them outside of the agent buildings, like CAA and William Morris Endeavor out there as well. I don't know. I'm not out there. I wish I was. But, yes, that's what's going on in the world. Oh, here it is. The uh, the other strike was in 2007, 2008. Let's see what happened there. That lasted... See that that lasted from November 5th, 2007, to February 12th, 2008. Three months and eight days. We're not quite there yet, but I'm kind of interested to see how long this one's going to last compared to that one. And then after the fact, see you know what they were able to come to terms with, what the Writers Guild of America came out on top with in the contract, what the studios came out with uh, on top of in the contract. So it'll be interesting to see when this happens, when it all settles, what's going on. But. Yes, I stand behind the writers. I hope a lot of my listeners stand behind the writers, especially if you're creatives, because I know we have a lot of creatives who listen to the show. Stand with your writers. Stand with your fellow brothers and sisters out there on the picket line, guys. It's important. Now, let's go see Jim's movie review corner. So this segment, I'm going to go into a movie I saw recently. I'm going to pick a movie whenever I got to do this. Something I was, I think I'm just going to pick movies that wasn't familiar, uh, you know, even existed to begin with and then kind of go through them. I'm not going to go deep into them. I'm going to give you a brief overview of what the film is. I'm going to basically read whether it's the back of the DVD case or Blu-ray case or on a streaming service and then just kind of give my thoughts and then give a review. Should you see it? Should you not re-see it? Rated out of five stars. So let's get right into this. So this movie that I watched recently, I was looking for something to watch the other night and I came across this movie on Prime, okay? Streaming for free. You don't need to pay to see it. It's called Marrowbone, Marrowbone, something like that. Uh, And the reason I wanted to see this movie was the thumbnail image that came up. It wasn't like a poster or anything like that, but I, I recognized one of the actors, okay? And I had seen this guy. He was in a movie called... I think it was what 1917? Yes, 1917, which was directed by Sam Mendes, I believe. Yes, uh, a couple years ago, it was a 2019 movie. It was a World War One movie about two friends who are in the war and they get sent to deliver a message to another battalion or group of soldiers, and they got to navigate the battlefield in Europe, right, and not get killed. So this actor's name is George McKay. So I saw him and I said, oh, he's a good actor. I've never really seen him in anything else. So let's uh, let's check this out. So once I looked into this a little bit more, I was like, oh my God, I got to watch this movie. This movie is stacked. This cast is stacked. I've never heard of the director, Sergio Sanchez, but it looks like he did. He was a screenwriter on The Orphanage. And I don't know what else he really did that I'm I'm familiar with. But the actors in this movie... Actors and actresses. Holy shit, dude. So again, you got George McKay. Fan already from 1917. You have Anya Taylor-Joy. I love this girl. She is awesome. She was in The Queen's Gambit. Still haven't seen that. She was just in the Mario Brothers movie. Did The Voice of Peach. I know her from The Witch, where she played Thomason, The 19... Or 19... The 1630s New England set movie about a, a force in the woods that tears a family apart after they get, you know, thrown from their village, okay? Directed by... Robert Eagers. So from there, you got Anya Taylor Joy. You got Charlie Heaton. Everybody knows Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things. Okay. Jonathan Byers, the Byers brother. Great actor. I love him in that show. I haven't really seen him in anything else. He was also in The New Mutants. Haven't seen that yet, though. But yes, love him. He's He's definitely on my list of individuals to keep an eye out for if I see something. And again, if it was him that I first saw in this movie, I probably would have not been so interested in watching it, but because he is with the rest of the cast, I was like, oh, okay, so great. Now, all three of those individuals I mentioned are great on their own. I love all three of them, but now this last name, this is the one that I said, all right, I got to watch this movie. I got to watch this movie because this girl is fucking killing it right now, and if I can go back and see a movie from 2017 that she was in prior to, I mean, she was on my radar at this time because the first movie I remember seeing her in was called A Cure for Wellness, which was 2016, directed by Gore Verbinski. I think I saw it in Santa Monica, and Gore Verbinski came out and did a talk afterwards, right? And so that's where she came onto my radar, was with that movie in 2016. So Marrowbone is 2017, long before a lot of the the, the stuff she's done recently. Uh, this was just before she did Suspiria, which I still haven't seen the Suspiria remake. She was in Emma which I think also stars Anya Taylor-Joy. I haven't seen that, but that's definitely on my list. Has been for some time, just haven't gotten to it. But most recently, she was in X. She was in Pearl. She was in Infinity Pool. And now her upcoming movie, Maxine, the third installment of the X trilogy. We're talking Mia Goth. So again, this is on Prime, you can find it there, it's included with your Prime membership if you have it, but basically, this movie is about four siblings with their mother move to escape a troubled past. When the mother dies, they vow to stay together, but when a ghostly presence torments them and a lawyer threatens their pact, the four must stand together or be torn apart forever. This movie is listed as a thriller and a horror, I think, or a suspense and a horror is listed because that's the thing like I really looked at what this movie was listed ah right there genre suspense horror you know me I love horror movies so okay great horror this cast done sold so I'm watching this movie and it's not until 11 minutes into this thing that you get the title card for the movie I didn't even know didn't even know that this was 11 minutes in I was like oh shit I haven't even seen the title card yet when it finally popped up. So you get this nice introduction of kind of what's going on, a nice setup. It's brought in by the main character, George McKay, um, who plays Jack, reading a book that somebody drew a lot of pictures in. They drew it, and it's kind of telling their story, right, of how they they got here, setting up the backstory a little bit enough to the point where we're going to start our actual story. But you go through this story, the mother dies, the four siblings have to you know, fight to keep their bond together and not get figured out, get torn apart. There's uh, three older kids. You've got George McKay plays Jack, Charlie Heaton plays Billy, and then Mia Goth plays Jane. They have a younger brother named... Oh, God, Sam, I think his name was. And Anya Taylor-Joy plays a, a girl in town that they meet and are friends with, right? So you go through this whole story. It's a very slow-burn movie it's kind of creepy at moments but nothing over the top nothing overly scary when I got to the end there were some things that confused me slightly a little bit and you and it's not so much a confusion of what the fuck happened it's a confusion of is it this is this what's going on or is it this what's going on so it's kind of cool that they leave it up for the viewer to interpret and kind of you know is it this path or is it this path that they're going down right but at the end i felt a little underwhelmed i had wished there was more i had wished i, I really and be honest with you i really don't know what i was expecting going into this movie i don't know what i expected the story to be about again when i started it i didn't care I figured let's just see where this goes out of five stars i'm going to say bone marrow marrow bone marrow Marrow bone because marrow is their last name in the movie Marrowbone, I'm going to give it out of five stars. I'm going to give it a three. And I say, check it out. Let me know what you think. Because again, I love to hear other people's opinions. If there's something maybe I missed in the movie, great. There's a lot of good uh, suspense, tension building moments. It keeps you guessing, you know, all the way through the movie of what's, you know, what's really going on here. It's not a matter of trickery of the mind. It's a matter of the characters in the movie know what's going on because they are obviously the ones who committed certain acts and have done things and, and know more than we do. So it's a matter of us trying to catch up with their knowledge of things and what's actually going on and what was done. So it kind of kind of keeps you guessing, kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. Three stars. Check it out. Now, for the last segment of this show, of Jim Goes to the Movies, what I decided to do is I figured it's June. Well, May 29th, as of this recording, but basically June, we got a whole summer slate of movies coming out, right? Summer used to be the season of blockbuster movies, man. I remember when, oh God, I don't think I saw the first Transformers in theaters. I think I got it on DVD after it came out. I can't remember now, but movies like that, summer blockbusters, that used to be what summer was about, these big studio grotesque fucking movies and i say grotesque in a good way because they spend a lot of money to blow shit up and make these extravagant movies right these extravagant mega uh there's a term for it oh i just had it damn it anyway these super mega movies right lots of explosions lots of action all kinds of things i feel like it's changed over the last 10 years or so at least to maybe not so much big blockbuster movies like that, but, you know, still studio movies, but there's all these other movies. The film industry has become way more accessible for individuals, independent filmmakers, smaller studios to put things out. So you're seeing a lot of more of that type of thing be sprinkled in. And, you know, just the way the studios have changed themselves in terms of, oh, well, this studio was now purchased and is under this major studio, for example. Marvel is now under Disney. The dynamic there is shift a little bit more because they're not necessarily directly competing with each other. The playing field is a little bit less on that scale, right? On on the big major studio scale. So it kind of changed the entire studio, uh, not studio, but the entire summer release of how to expect movies, right? So I wanted to go through and take a look at a whole bunch of movies that are going to be released this coming summer and kind of give my opinion on them whether I'd heard about them, whether I'd not heard about them, maybe read through what the movie's about and say if I'm even interested. So first movie, June 2nd, uh, being released, director Rob Savage. This is one I am looking forward to. It's called The Boogeyman, based on a story by Stephen King. If you know me, which by this point you should, you know I'm a massive, massive Stephen King fan. I'm sitting here looking at my bookshelf. I got, what, one, two, three shelves full of first editions and other publications that are first published in magazines, wherever, whatnot. And then I got an overflow shelf here of paperbacks and uh, various other printings of books. I'm a huge, huge Stephen King fan. So the minute you give me a movie based on a Stephen King story, shut up and take my money. I don't need anything else. Nothing else I need to know about it as long as it's a Stephen King story, right? So this is one I'm definitely looking forward to. The Boogeyman. Again, that's going to be released June 2nd, next weekend. Um, Probably this weekend as of the, you know, if you're hearing this. Next, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Again, when I was a kid, I grew up loving Spider-Man. This movie is an animated movie. This is not, for those who don't know, this is not live action. I enjoyed the first one. I didn't think it was anything overly overly exciting to me, at least. So this one, I'll check it out, but I'll probably wait until after it's out of theaters and it's streaming. Uh, next movie, speaking of Transformers, and now here, again, the Fast and Furious movies. This is just like that. Do we need this many Transformers movies no stop stop who's directing this one Stephen Campbell Jr. okay this is coming out June 9th Pete Davidson is in this movie interesting okay still as much as I like Pete Davidson I'm not gonna go see this movie I have no desire to see this movie I'll probably never see this movie the first Transformers was good loved it Sam Witwicky Shia LaBeouf I love Shia LaBeouf loved that movie for as carried away as Michael Bay gets sometimes it worked for the first Transformers because it was still kind of fresh right but then after that it's just like oh my god guys just fucking stop stop we don't need all this I remember seeing I think it was maybe the fifth one I don't think I've ever seen a worse made movie at such a high studio level this movie was crap it was awful it was just straight trash But they're still making them. They're still making them. And I get it from a studio mindset. You're making money. You're making buku bucks, right? I mean, there's a lot of CGI in in these movies. And I'm not a fan of a lot of CGI. And CGI is expensive. So where your cost return fluctuation medium is on these movies, I don't know. But I don't need another Transformers movie. This one is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Just stop all i can say just just stop we don't need another one release date june 16th for this next movie called the blackening this one actually looks pretty fucking funny if i'm not going to lie okay directed by tim story this is about uh playing on the trope that the black characters are always the first to die in horror films isn't that true This comedy thriller centers on an all-black group of friends on a remote Juneteenth getaway who find themselves terrorized by an unknown killer and struggle to figure out who the most likely targets among them are. That is a fucking brilliant idea. I love that idea. It's fresh, original. I haven't seen anything like it. I don't know if this is going to be streaming uh, or if it's going to be in theaters, but I will be there for this movie. This looks fucking hilarious. Next movie, June 16th, Elemental. Pixar movie not looking forward to it I don't need to see it oh here's one let's dive into this one okay June 16th directed by Andy Machete okay I like Andy I like what he did with the it remakes very much so they're very different Uh, and that's the thing with the it movies they said I, I had read that they were supposed to be more faithful to the book but I didn't feel like they were. I felt like the original series was way more faithful to the story, to the book. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. This is an Andy Muschetti movie. I am not going to go pay to see. I'm not going to stream this ever because I got a lot of comments on this. I'm not going to say here you want to have a private conversation with me. We'll go there. But I'm not going to bring it here. But this movie's called The Flash. The only... Th- And this is difficult because there are reasons I do want to see this. I do want to see it from Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. I really do. But I think that's like the only reason I would ever see this movie. And it would have to be like, I'm at somebody's place and you're like, oh, let's put this on. I'm like, "Eh, okay. And then hopefully it gets put on in the background. And then I can tune in when Michael Keaton's playing Batman, Batman and then tune out again. But that's the only reason. The only thing I want to see in this movie is him. Not a fan of the DC movies, not a fan, um, except for very few. I did, I haven't seen Wonder Woman, I heard that was great, I do want to see that. Was not a fan really of the, uh, the Superman movies, not a fan of, you know, Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, I saw up to Batman vs. Superman, I didn't see the Snyder Cut, which I heard was good, so I do need to give that a shot, but I just think DC's lacking on the superhero movies. And as much as I'm tired of superhero movies, if DC started really pulling something out of their ass and doing really good, they might be able to draw me back in because it's a fresh set of characters that I'm still not tired of. I was way more of a DC kid than a Marvel kid growing up anyway. I could slip into it, I feel. But, not a fan of The Flash. Not going to see this. Um, I guess this is kind of... To me, this is kind of their way of being able to reset the universe, which... I mean, they kind of got to do because their movies haven't been that great. But it's still lazy to me. I don't know. I mean, what else are they going to do, I guess? Again, I did like uh, The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. And then I did really, I really enjoyed The Batman with Robert Pattinson. I didn't think I was going to enjoy that movie as much as I did. And I fucking loved it. If DC started making their movies that dark, gritty, don't make them for the kids, man, like Marvel's doing. Make them more for, for younger adults and, and older adults like me, people who are in their, their early 30s, late 20s, mid-20s, even in their 40s and 50s, dude. Make them these darker, grittier, serious movies. I think they're onto something there. I highly doubt they're going to do that. We'll see. we got a lot to go. I don't know. Another movie, June 16th, Asteroid City. I have not seen the trailer for this, but this is a Wes Anderson movie, and I love Wes Anderson. I'm there in this seat The cast... Alone, I'll throw out some names here, uh, and this isn't even everybody, but Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Adrian Brody, Liev Schreiber. Man, what a cast, and that's just like half of it. So this movie, uh, uh, Wes Anderson's latest film features yet another massive collection of impressive A-listers all gathered together to tell interlocking stories of the organizers and attendees of a junior stargazer convention held in a fictional town. And if you know Wes Anderson, familiar with his movies, they're very textured, and you know you're watching a Wes Anderson movie. You can tell. The way he films, the way his set designs are, it's very, very distinct. So yes, I'm excited for this one. Very much so. Another one. As much as as excited as I am for this, I probably shouldn't be, Because the last one that came out, like, what, over 10 years ago now, was shit. It was shit. It was cool to see him back on the big screen. It was cool to see Shia LaBeouf in an Indiana Jones movie. But Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, come on, guys. Come on. Uh, You guys could have done better. But now we are getting Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. And this is probably going to be the last time we're going to see... Well... This is definitely going to be the last time we're going to see Harrison Ford reprise his role as Indiana Jones on the big screen. I'm excited for it, again, because it's motherfucking Indiana Jones. You don't need to, as much as I didn't like Kingdom and the Crystal Skull, I was there. I was there in the theater when it came out, opening night. You didn't have to do anything other than tell me Indiana Jones. I'm done, sold, good to go. I'm just worried that this movie's going to be bad, and I don't want it to, man. I really don't. I really, really don't. But again, Harrison Ford's coming back. Uh, John Reyes-Davies is going to come back to praise Sala, which is going to be great because I love that character. We're getting a whole list of new care, uh, actors and actresses to, to helm this movie with Harrison. Getting Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which she's good. Uh, Mads Malkinson, I love him. I love Mads Malkinson, so that'll be great. Antonio Banderas, Toby Jones... I just hope it's good. I hope I'm not let down. I'm trying to keep my expectations down, but we'll see. July. We're getting Insidious, The Red Door. Not interested. Never saw the Insidious movies. Not really into it. Oh God! Here's another one. Mission Impossible. July twelfth. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Do we really need this many Imp- Mission Impossible movies? No. Next, July twenty first. <sighs> This is weird because I really do want to see this movie, okay? Barbie. I really do because the director. I'm a huge fan of Greta Gerwig. I love Greta Gerwig's work act, as an actress and as a director. I love Little Women. I love, uh, what what else did she? Oh, um, Lady Bird with Saoirse Ronan and uh, the hell's his name? Timothy Chalamet, right? I love Greta Gerwig. She was in that uh, Ty West, one of Ty West movies back in the day. She was in some other... She was in some other movie. It was the first movie I ever saw in, but I can't remember the name of it. It slips me right now. But, yeah, I am actually interested to see Barbie. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if I'll see it in the theater or if I'll wait till it's streaming, but this is definitely on my list to see this summer for sure. Oppenheimer, another Christopher Nolan movie, uh, July 21st. Uh, again, we're getting a lot of big-name actors. Oh, I didn't know she uh, Florence Pugh in this movie. I love her. She's usually, uh, she's another one. You tell me it's a Florence Pugh movie, done. That's all you got to tell me. But I don't know if that's going to work for this one. Simply for the fact that I love Christopher Nolan, but I feel he's getting stale, man. I I, I I haven't seen his last couple, I don't think. I don't know, maybe I have. I know I know he did, the last one he did, what was it? Um, the I can't remember what it was called, but I didn't see that one. I saw the World War II one, and that was all right. But I'm, I'm more of a fan of his old stuff. You know, Interstellar was great. I think that was his last, for me, his last great film. I don't know. We'll see. Haunted Mansion, July 28th. That's going to be on Disney+, Plus. I'm assuming, unless they are going to put it in theaters. I don't know how I feel about that because I love the original. I'm a huge fan of the original Haunted Mansion movie. We're getting uh, Rosario Dawson, Love Rosario, Danny DeVito, Jamie Lee Curtis, holler to jamie lee curtis we finally have our scream queen with an oscar jared leto's in this tiffany haddish owen wilson i don't know if all of that is going to make me want to see this movie though just because i know how disney is when they rehash shit that bullshit disney shine that they give to it nowadays it's just crap just crap so i don't know how i feel about that we'll see maybe august meg 2, the trench August 4th, Jason Statham coming back to fight giant sharks. Eh, never saw the first one. That's one that I, I've i seen it streaming recently. Maybe if I was in the mood for it, I'm like, okay, I'll just put this on. Let's just, you know, take up time, whatever, maybe. But I never saw the first one, so I'm not really interested in seeing the second one. Uh, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. That's an animated feature. Eh, and this is when I just learned that they were making this next one, Okay. Gran Turismo the movie I love racing games when I was younger I used to love driving games maybe it was because I couldn't drive in the real world outside of video games right I was too young so that's why I love Need for Speed I never really got into the Gran Turismo games that's why I love Grand Theft Auto because I can drive around do whatever the fuck I want but I don't think Gran Turismo needed a movie stop taking something that already exists and trying to profit off of it give it an original title make it its own thing I don't think I need this movie not looking forward to it probably not going to see it the last voyage of the demeter okay so for anybody who listens to our out of the shadows podcast you know that vampire movies are very hit or miss for me but this one i'm thinking is going to be a hit and i'm definitely going to want to check this one out being directed by on and- excuse my pronunciation andre overdell i think he's i think he's swedish or or scandinavian he directed, oh, he directed Troll Hunters and he did. This was a fan. I know Chris doesn't like this movie, but I love this movie. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. What a creepy ass movie with Emil Hirsch. Holy shit, dude. If you have not seen that movie, Jim says, check it out, right? So this movie um, brings to life a new angle on the story of Dracula charting the fates of the people aboard the titular merchant ship that transported the famous vampire's body from Carpathia to London. Now, this is interesting to me. You're taking just a segment of the dracula story and you're going to give us you're going to blow it up drag it out and give it to me great i'm interested to see how this comes out i'm interested to see how this is done the trailer for it makes it look awesome dude it looks really great and i'm going to be you know i'll be there for this one i might actually go see this one in the theater next strays josh greenbaum never even heard of it oh yeah i have i saw the trailer for this i don't know I don't know, when I, when, I, when I was with my old partner, we, we would go and see all these kind of comedy movies, right, and, and they're kind of like oddball comedy movies when they would come out, and so this is probably one I would have seen then, I don't know if I'm going to go to the theater and see it now, um, I'll probably just wait till it's streaming, it's probably going to be fucking hilarious, great cast, Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, Isla Fisher, Josh Gad, Will Forte, Sofia Vergara, but a naive border terrier named Reggie, voiced by Will Ferrell, I believe, who is abandoned by his deadbeat owner and decides to make the trek back home. Okay, so this reminds me very much of Homeward Bound, but going to be the adult version of that. So I'll, I'll probably check this out. I'll probably wait till after the fact, after it's out of theaters, but we'll see. Next, Blue Beetle, August eighteenth. Eh, not really looking forward. That's basically it. I'm seeing here. I don't know. Interesting slate here for the for the, the Hollywood. God, I keep saying that. Interesting slate for the summer release block. I don't know. There were some other ones here that I didn't mention, mostly because I'd never heard of them. They cloned Tyrone. Haven't heard of it. Joyride, haven't heard of that. Well, we'll see how the summer block goes of all these releases. We'll see how they all end up competing against each other and which ones are coming out on top. I know we got some big ones out right now currently. Little Mermaid just came out that that was just released that'll probably be hitting disney plus here probably within the next two months i'm gonna say that's my guess because they've been putting their set look at quantum mania that was released what last month i think at the beginning of, of 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 april maybe and it's already streaming on disney plus so that'll be up there soon guardians of the galaxy three i do want to see that that that'll be out streaming soon I'm, I'm i'm projecting so yeah guys get out to the movie theaters I know the weather's going to be nice, but definitely try to hit up your local theater, uh, especially if it's a if it's an independent theater. Those are always the best. They're smaller. They're more intimate. Popcorn's always better. And the people who work there are always good. You know, they're always a good time. So this has been Jim Goes to the Movies. Thanks for joining me, guys. I hope you were able to make it this far. If you weren't, then I guess no harm, no foul, right? Anyway, until next time, uh, you got two other episodes to go listen to. You have Chris's solo episode, and you have... Oh, God. Anthony's Solo Dolo episode, I think his second one. So go check those out. Let us know what you guys think of those. Email us. Link up with us on social media. We're on Instagram, Hardly Awesome Podcast. Don't forget to check out the Hardly Awesome Podcast playlist on Spotify as well. That's curated by all three of us. We add music to it every so often. I think we need to add some relatively soon here because it's been a little bit. From the theater, this has been Jim Goes to the Movies. Until next time, guys, sit your ass in that seat. Buy your popcorn, drink your pop, and enjoy the